This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back. Welcome to the show. It is Action Movie Anatomy here on a Wednesday afternoon, and we are here to salute a brand new general in the Action Army. We have Mr. Daniel Sala. Welcome to the show, guys. We're talking Sin City 2005's epic black and white masterpiece. We can't wait to break the whole thing down for you guys. We will see you in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now... Here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. <laughs> Boom! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Well, I hey, hope that hey. everyone hears me go <gasps> before the song came on. Did you hiccup? I, I was laughing. Uh, <laughs> that's what I sound like when I'm laughing, apparently. This is exciting. That's exciting for all the listeners. What were you saying? Welcome to the show? Welcome to the show. We're live. Uh, this is Action Movie Anatomy. We're here on a Wednesday afternoon. We're talking Sin City. Uh... 2005's comic book adaptation, and uh, yeah, there's a whole hell of a lot to talk about, so so uh, yeah, guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy here on the Popcorn Talk Network, we talk action movies on this show, this is the network, talking movies, all things movie related, and pop culture by the bucketful, the action movies on this show adhere to four basic rules, rule number one, hero and the villain, always the smartest people in the room, I don't really know who the hero is in this movie. Yeah, and I'm not really sure <clears throat> which villain we're going to be targeting, but it's interesting because the villains of this movie aren't actually that smart. They're just evil. They're just evil. They're just evil. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely that yellow bastard or Nick Stahl. Yeah. He's not really smart. He's just, you know, daddy's boy. You got Benicio, who's just a moron. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but he's amazing. Powers Booth. I mean, Powers Booth is so good. Yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know who the villain is in this movie. Really, I don't know. I, it's 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 sort of that. It doesn't really follow that rule at all. Yeah, but it does follow the second rule, which is that the hero always plays by their own rules. And yes. I believe that all three of our heroes play by their own rules for the most part because they're all doing something that it's it's all about balance. Yeah, you know, it's all about finding the good in the world. Well, okay, so Willis is definitely both the smartest guy in the room and plays by his own rules for sure. <clears throat> yeah, Marv isn't uh, in the sense of what. He's, he's not, the, not smartest. the smartest guy. He's capable. No, he's he's just like a beast. Yeah, he's capable and he's a beast. And then, yeah, I guess Clive Owen is kind of the smartest guy in the room. Yeah, I mean, he knows. I, th- I think so because when he's narrating it, he's never like at a moment of like I don't know what to do. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I think I guess they all three do play by their own rules. Um, so, and then and rule number three: the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Again, I think what's hard about this movie is that it's it's just it's multiple vignettes, so it's yeah. hard to say who it's driven by. But you have a cop. And you, you have two cops. 
Yeah, we so, can just call him Marvel Mercenary. Yeah, I feel like fair. that's what he did in his life. And uh, rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. There is one, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's an explosion in this. Yeah, yeah. Things blow up. Yeah, because in, in Old Town, there's like a lot of... Uh, oh, he throws the... The, the grenade. The, the head. grenade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, what's uh, Benicio's uh, head? Oh, what is his name? Oh, Michael Clark Duncan? No, 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 no. The, uh, the guy... Flanagan, something Fl- Tommy Flanagan. Oh, that's I'm not his sure. name. The guy with the scar on his face. He's like, I like watching things blow up. Oh, All sure. Pretty pieces yeah, yeah, of people yeah, yeah. blowing up in this guy. Yeah, that guy. He's always such a great. So, so many characters in this movie. Oh, there's there's so many great great characters. It's an incredible ensemble movie. Yeah, um, great cameos. So um, anyway, guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy. <laughs> we, as we said, we are doing this movie because we have something called Patreon.com/slash/TeamAction, where we upload videos every single week. It's it's a it's a private feed of uh, original content. We don't shoot here. We shoot it in front of a gigantic wall that has Nick Cage's face on it. And uh, we do all kinds of stuff. So we have a top, a couple of top five lists coming out that you guys, the the, the patrons, have been submitting. Yeah, we do uh, trailer reviews. We do schmodown review. I mean, honestly, uh, now that you and I have both seen Love Simon and Unsane this week, we'll probably do an, a mini AMA on one of those movies since they would never it's be on. Got to be Love Simon. It's got to be Love Simon. Yeah. It's a much better I mean, movie than Unsane. Honestly, we could do one on both. <clears throat> but yeah, Love Simon was a very good film. Yeah, um, we did many AMA on Annihilation recently. So anyway, if you if you at the highest level of donation on the Patreon, you become a general in the army, and Daniel Sala is a brand new general in the army. So we salute, salute you, you, sir. And Mr. Uh, Sala. We, you, he suggested we do Sin City on the show, which is why we're doing it today. So, coming up on the show today, we're going to be talking about our thesis statements, fist pump moments, all the fun things we normally talk about, top five Robert Rodriguez qu- uh, movies, and we have a couple great AMA fan questions to break yeah. down for you guys as well. So, uh, I, and then, you know, if you guys have any interest in following with us, you can do that too. <laughs> yeah, you can find him at Ben Bateman Media, and you can find me at Andrew Guy. You can find our uh, Twitter. Wow, I'm very tired. Our Twitter for the show today, at AMA Podcast, and we have... Two Facebook fan groups, one specifically for this show, which is the Action Movie Anatomy fan page, and there's one that's more Ben and Andrew and Team Action from the Schmodown, and that's yep. the Action. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Army fan page, both exactly. on Facebook. Both on Facebook. And I, I actually, speaking of Action Army, just had my match against Dale the Dude post on Friday. Was that really a match? Yeah. <laughs> I think you took that hillbilly out in the back and killed him. Head to head, and it was, uh, it was a hell of a match. It was Put a hell of a match. Misery. Was it? Yeah. Uh, it's fun. To, I'm it's, just going to keep saying that. It's every fun time. for me to watch. <laughs> you shot Jeter. That was an accident. Was it? Was it? Uh, so that's the show, guys. So we're going to get straight into it. And, and the first thing we do on the show here is we talk thesis statement, um, which... Nope. What? We got to watch the damn trailer. Well, I was going to get to that. <laughs> you just decided to cut me off. I'm just... We're all over the place. Yeah. Okay. I'll so the first the thing we're going to do is talk thesis statement after <laughs> we watch the trailer. Marissa Serafini up in the booth. How you doing, Marissa? I don't remember this trailer at all. Me neither. This movie was a big deal when it came out for a lot of reasons that I'm excited to talk about. Yeah, yeah. And it delivered. It did, for the most part. I think it really did. I, I feel like it did 100%. L- looking back on it it's, it, it's funny. The way it's aged is really interesting. It hasn't aged to be worse. It's just... Well, I'll get to it in my thesis, actually. But. I like this movie a lot more when it came out than you did, I felt like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've always been a really big fan of this one. The truth of 
Sin City will be shattered. It's really you know who my father is. You can't do a thing weird to see multiple deceased actors in this movie, right? Yeah, I thought about that too a couple times. Trippy. You got you got Murphy, Duncan, Booth. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, wow. three Murphy, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll fight the cops and the mob. We'll go to war. God, Rosario Dawson is so hot. <laughs> Can't get over her. You're making a big mistake. You already made a big mistake yourself. Benicio's fake nose. Uh, Benicio's <laughs> so good at this. You're making a big mistake. A hard top with a decent engine. I'll make sure it's got a big trunk. Yeah, Hartnett showing up just like randomly. Yeah, it's like a very small, even though he was huge at the time. Or he was on the back end. Back what end. Doing? Yeah. I think he had, yeah, he had disappeared for a year or two. Yeah. And honestly, Jessica Alba was just like, yeah, changed my life. She was the invisible girl that year. Hey, she was. That's exactly <laughs> what I was referencing. <laughs> uh, so that's an <clears throat> interesting trailer. I would, I mean, I remember watching it now and I was hyped. Yeah, I was yeah. super hyped. I mean, this, so, so we'll get into our thesis statements here, guys. Uh, thesis statement is your big, bold statement. It's your biggest, strongest argument about the film. And it's the thing that really, like, if the movie comes up, you would say, this is the thing I know about this movie to be true. And you would argue it and that's what you would do. And uh, my thesis statement is there is no comic book movie more indicative of its time than Sin City ever hmm. made. And that that would mean it's. I mean, you can you can say that any comic book movie is indicative of its time to some degree. Like the very iconic ones, like Superman seventy eight or Batman, Batman eighty nine. Um, talking about something like you know Infinity War, Civil War, uh, just like the, the number of stars. But what I mean by that is like this movie in two thousand five. It, it came out in the heart of the first run of big commercial comic book movies, where, like, in 2005, they had had success, right? Spider-Man 1 and 2 had both been successful. The whole world was like, all right, you know, comic book adaptations are hot. This mm -hmm. is hot. But, you know, we're going to push it a little further. We're going to be a little bit gritty. And if you look at the cast in this movie... I think the cast is almost like so indicative of its time, it's like painful to watch in some ways. Because it's like you feel like you just cut this cast out and be like, these are the people that were in movies from this time to this time. Yeah, right. Because it's, <clears> it's <throat> like, okay, even just going by the small parts, it's like Elijah Wood had just done Lord of the Rings and finished yep. it two years earlier. So they're like, oh, well, let's put, put Frodo in a small role. And it's like uh, Mickey Rourke was just on the front end of his comeback. Like he wasn't in movies for 10 years right, before this. He just this. did The Wrestler before this. This is right after. The Wrestler's right after. This right is right after. before he comes back for a second. But before that, 10 years prior, he wasn't in movies. He mm -hmm. like, you know, he'd show up for like a second, but he wasn't like a lead. Uh, you think about like Clive Owen, like Closer was the year before. You know, Born One was like two, three years earlier. It's like, the people in this movie, I mean, Brittany Murphy, yeah. she was a movie star at she one was. point in her life. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, R.I.P. Brittany Murphy, but like, th she was like a very famous person at this time. I mean, everyone in this movie that you've mentioned so far it has been or will be very famous at one point, whether it's Alba, Murphy, Owen, who, I mean, every single person. And so I think the, the free reign the studio was willing to give Frank Miller and Robert Rodriguez to make this movie to say, <clears throat> yeah, you can do it how you want to do it. Sure. Absolutely. The the guy that wrote the comic book, sure, he's never directed a movie. Let him direct a bunch of this movie. Why not? Comic book movies make money, and this is a beloved comic book. You guys can get this whole cast. Go ahead. Like, I feel like comic book movies today, unless you're Marvel, 
they don't re- you don't get the free reign to do this. Marvel and DC, it happens, and the rest of it, like you don't get casts like this for just like random comic book adaptations. This yeah. was just because like Spider Man and X Men were just streaking, and it was like comic books are hot. Let's make one. Yeah, it's interesting because it was like they are hot, but it was but again with those characters, it's it's man. Man, man, Batman, Spider-Man, Superman. Yeah. It's not Sin City. It's not Watchmen. It's not 300. It's yeah. not... So it was interesting that they took, and, they, and instead of taking a character, they took a world, which I really liked. Yeah. And that's going to go directly into my thesis, which is that this is the truest and best direct comic book adaptation movie ever. Not like, oh, Batman's a, a character, so Dark Knight's the best comic book movie. No, 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 no. I'm right. talking about a direct adaptation from a novel, graphic novel, or a, a specific comic book. There's yeah. no comic book called The Dark Knight that is just the story of that Joker, correct? Yeah, it's a it's mixture a, it's of a, different, a couple, couple different stories. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not one movie and one thing. So the fact that he takes four novels, essentially, and puts them into one, and he makes this movie, this linear movie, that they didn't even have to bring in a writer, that they use Frank Miller's book, his, yeah. his, his graphic novel just to write the script. Adapted it. Yeah. For me, and going back and watching it, and also because I wasn't <clears throat> the biggest comic book fan, and, and, and now that I've been a big movie fan and I'm a critic now, whatever you want to call it, and then you know, you're very well versed in comics, and I actually talked to Schnepp today about the same thing, and when they go and they break it down, like, no, frame for frame, line for line, character for character, it's like, this is almost identical. Yeah, right. Um, and the fact that it's so good still, like I, I really do tr- truly love this movie, and I've watched the regular and the director's cut. I think the director's gets a little convoluted, but when you, if you're a true fan, it makes sense because it's like those are short stories that yeah. are in there. So, um, Watchmen was fine for me, and from what I've heard from 300, it, it's close, but it's not quite as on the nose as this is. Um, straight up. Yeah, I mean those are the three. Those yeah, are the those three are the three, are... and and it's it's and it's all that era, which is interesting. That's, <laughs> I was that's just gonna say it's all what it comes I mean. out at the same time. Yeah, that's like what I say. Like this movie, and then it's like this started that run of those three movies, where and now people look back and they're like, yeah, I don't know that I really want to just see what was on the page on the screen. That's not good enough for yeah. me to just like because Watchmen is like a, I think at this point it kind of underrated, but also Watchmen is just that. It's like. We are going to take as much of this and just make it into a movie as we can. Yeah, I mean, I I can't really speak on those things because, like, I haven't read Watchmen and I yeah. haven't read Sin City, <clears throat> but you you have. Yeah, so Sin City, um, th- I mean, the Marv story is the famous one. That's the, yeah. that's the, I think that's called the long goodbye or the hard goodbyes. What's the, it's called? There's like a, I can't remember the name for it, but I'm pretty certain that's the first Sin City comic. Or if it's not the first one, it's the one that got famous. And... That's the story that I read the first time when I read in Sin City. I think I, I seem to remember that was just called Sin City. Like they right. just didn't have a subtitle or whatever. The other ones, I think that Yellow Bastard, A Dame to Kill for, um, those are like those are like follow up stories, and they're all kind of set in the same world, which is why they're able to link these together. But that's why for me, the I could watch the Marv story if this movie was like an hour twenty nine. Hmm. They like found a way to make them, but I think they couldn't extend that Marv story. To make it enough of a movie, so I agree. They, so they wanted to extend it and add the other stuff in. Because I think if they could have done that, they probably would have. So because then they could have made like Sin City One, Sin City Two, like specific books. Yeah, I, I did notice that, and I was <clears throat> thinking the same thing when watching it. I was just like, and with the Willis story, yeah. I think I think with those two, you're, I was like, these could be two separate movies. And and when I was watching the director's cut, since it rolls credits after each one, I was like, oh, interesting. Like this is what it could have looked like. They just didn't seem to have enough legs. Yeah, and, and if it and if 
the legs were there would have been falsified or created by a screenwriter. They would have, yeah, they would have added more to it than they needed to. Which, so if you were going to rank the three vignettes, what, what's your what's your order as far as how you like them? Um, damn, that's tough. I, I think I go, I think I go Rourke, Willis, Owen in that order. Yeah, me too. That's, yeah, yeah, it's the same. By well, the enjoyability is strictly the Clive Owen. The Clive Owen section for me is the weakest of the three. It's where the that's the part of the movie that I was like. Yeah, like this is this is where this movie's aged a little. The Marv part of it is like the part where I'm like, this movie's fucking sweet. Like they do such a good job with Mickey Rourke. Yeah, I have a problem with uh, him kind of being like a superhero, like Clive Owen being a superhero, kind of like Willis and yeah. and Marv are. I don't yeah. know why. It just bothers me more. Like Marv, it makes sense because he's like this. This like he even says he's like he should have been a gladiator. Yeah, you know, right. Like blah blah blah. And then with Willis, it makes sense because it's like. He's like the super cop being driven only by the will to survive and save someone yeah. else. And he's gotten repaired and the surgery and all that. And he still dies as, you know, <clears throat> for me, Owen just feels a little le- like less fully thought out. Do you think that if um, do you think that if Jessica Alba, if, if Willis had actually slept with her at the end of the movie, this movie would be like significantly worse? What's that? So if, because she comes on to him and he doesn't, he gets in the shower. Yeah. Do you think if he had slept with her, this movie would be significantly worse? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, like. Because he kisses her, and of course, I mean, I don't know who who I'm breaking the news to. Yeah, right. Jessica Alba <laughs> is insanely hot in this movie. Yeah. Like, she's mesmerizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this guy's been in jail for the last eight years in solitary confinement. And he says he's, like, pushing 60 before he goes, so he's got to be almost 70. Yeah, so, like, the, the idea, I mean, clearly when you see them on screen, there's not much chemistry between the two of them. The age gap isn't as big as it's <laughs> supposed to be in the book. But I, I did think the same thing. I was like... Yeah, if he goes to bed with her, this movie's bad. Watching it again, I was—I couldn't remember if he did or he didn't. <laughs> right. Watching it again, I was like, is this really going to happen? Please, God, no. Uh, like, this is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you, you and I go back and we watch movies from the early 2000s and late 90s, and you see things, you're like, ah, oh, that would, no, God damn it, they did it. That's, they did do it. So they did it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys, coming up next on the show, we have our next bit. This is a fist pump moment. If you've ever watched the show, you know uh, this is that moment. Something crazy happens in the movie. You look around. You're just like, are you seeing this right now? This is so good. I get to watch the rest of this movie. You call your buddy. You're like, yeah, you got to take you know, 17 minutes in the movie. Watch this. It's so good. Uh, this movie has a lot of fist pump moments. There are a bunch. I wrote down so many of them. Yeah. Um, do you... Do you have your first one, or do you have your number one, or do you, you want me to I go? I have a couple. You go first. Okay. Um, I think... You know what? I think it's 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 when Marv and them it's it's the two cops come up and they take him outside and it's the first time you hear that's one fine looking coat you got. There. Yeah, yeah, and you know he's gonna yeah. You know sure. he's gonna do something, but I, I just love the brutality of him smashing the dude's face Faced. into the yeah. wall. Yeah, it's like you see how insanely strong this dude is, and then yeah, and then he goes and tortures the cop. I just I love everything that Rourke does in this. Movie. He's great. He is a fist pump. Yeah, he the him for this, for, from the second you see him. Also, because they put so many prosthetics on him and make him look like this character. Yeah, um, he really <clears throat> does resemble Marv from the comics, which I think is one of the coolest things. Oh, you know what my actual um, one is? What? It's it, yours doesn't involve Rosario, does it? No, no. Go ahead. Okay, good because that was that was the one that I was trying to think of. <clears throat> it's after he's getting the shit beaten out of him. Uh, when he's getting interrogated, yeah, 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 and uh, and once she realizes that he's like not a threat, he's like okay, and he just stands just, up, and all the ropes. Come. She's like, you just stood there and took it. Well, Beanie, she's like, I tied the ropes. That's my specialty. And it, <laughs> I just loved it because he's just like, he even says he's like, I never, I, I never hurt a woman, or I never lay my hands on a woman, yeah. or whatever. And you're just like, God, this guy is awesome. Yeah, he is really, really awesome. 
I think for me, the fist pump moment is probably when Willis is pounding the yellow bastard's head into the ground. Uh, and the, <laughs> you talk about the voiceover comes on. Yeah, where he's like, at a certain point, I'm just pounding chunks of bone into the into the pavement, bloody floor, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Here's one thing I don't understand, and tell me, I don't know, I don't know if you've been in more fights than me in, in your life, but I have. Uh, like, how do you hit somebody a bunch of times and not just like? fuck your hands up like how is it possible like i mean I, I understand like a proper punch you can hit somebody but like something like that you're pounding cement like wouldn't you just shatter your hand yeah i mean that's that's not real life i mean <laughs> marv gets hit by a car like four times yeah, in a row. and he gets stands up, right up. right um yeah no i mean and that's why in movies like the departed i love when leo is fighting those two guys in the beginning of the movie and yeah. he's beating the shit out of him. Yeah. And then he goes and he finally punches him and yeah. he breaks his hand. Yeah. And he's like, ah, oh, and then he grabs the thing. That's what happens in real life. That's why it's it's called a boxer's fracture. That's why it's so easy to break that bone in your hand. I can't even imagine. Which bone? Uh, it's this thin bone on your pinky. It's not actually in your pinky, but it's the one that lines like the side of your hand. Okay, yeah, yeah. The pressure of if you hit your pinky on that, I know because I've broken it, huh. um, is called a boxer's fracture. It happens all the time. So, uh, yeah, at that point, his hands would be destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, that that whole thing with the yellow bastard is just so gross. And the it's, way they, like, describe the way he smells and yeah. his skin. Well, also, the use of color in this movie is really interesting. It's, like, it's it's really cool. There's only a couple scenes that are in color, like, fully yeah. in color. But most of it's black and white. And then you have the green eyes with multiple characters. Yeah, yeah. Green the, eyes, blue eyes. The blood, the the white glasses. Yeah, right, right. <clears throat> that's, that, and that's very much a throwback to the comic. That's something that that Miller really uh, made a point of. A lot of that stuff, like the final shot of Willis shooting himself in the head, mm-hmm. is like a, that's like directly off the page. I love those black and white silhouettes. Yeah. But it's so cool. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Um, so let me see if there's other good fist pumps in here, guys. What we got in here? We got in here. Herc. Hardigan's monologue at the beginning of the film, Bruce Willis try, uh, trying to say it's a beautiful thing. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, I'm sure what that is. Uh, when the bad guy's henchman gets pierced by an arrow. Oh, yeah, and he just stands like, <laughs> he's just like, hey, would you look at that? It's right straight through me. The arrow and uh, Miho. Yeah, she's great. Deadly little Miho. Yeah. Uh, there's only a couple in there. All right. Let's yeah. move on. Let's move on to the next part of the show. So... Next up, <coughs> we've got star profiles. So, guys, there are th- we, we, we listed three stars, and this is um, confusing and also slightly sexist, probably on our part, because there is the whole se- sequence of, like, women, and, like, so I guess you could say Rosario Dawson, but the movie is driven by, I mean, the movie is really driven by these three characters. It's not driven by Rosario Dawson. She's just probably the next on the list. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I would agree. I think the, the, the reason I didn't put any of the females down, I made the outline. I left out the women if you want to be mad at somebody. Uh, it's <laughs> me, and it's it's not because that... It's because you don't really... Well, no, we talked about it. Be fair. You, te- you texted <laughs> yeah, me no, about it's it. True. I did. I did ask you about it. It's because, the like you said, the men kind of drive the story forward, and the women are kind of placeholders uh, to, to keep the story in line. But what I will say is I think Richard... Jarvie, someone made a really awesome thesis about the women, and I'm just going to say it. something about them. Yeah, one of the few movies that manages to use women in, in a very, like, in a hyper-sexualized style, but instead of ever objectifying them, it actually empowers them. Yeah. Which I think is really cool, That's because you could have yeah. really went to a dark or dumb place with old time. I guess you couldn't have, because it's based off of a comic. Yeah. But, you know, if Michael Bay would have directed it, who knows what would have happened. God only knows. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so for me, I felt like Mickey Rourke, Bruce Willis, and Clive Owen were the three main characters yeah i mean for sure there's three vignettes and they want they want a protagonist for each one that that you're supposed to care about if i was gonna well so okay we'll talk about each of their careers because again like this is this is really really interesting um 
Mickey Rourke in 2005, like, I'm, I'm a big Mickey Rourke guy. Yeah. Um, in the 80s, Mickey Rourke was, like, the guy. He comes along, and he's, like, the super, super sexy dude. He has this great career from, like, 84 to, like, about, like, 91, 92, 93. And he just pissed off everyone in Hollywood. And he yeah. got pretty much blacklisted for a decade. Because he, well, like, he was just a dick, to right? Every, to, to everyone. Everybody. And he in, in, then he got in the, the the motorcycle accident or whatever. Yeah, and, and he was boxing for a while. Yeah. His face got all ma- messed up. But if you start to look at the movies that he shows up in in the 90s, like the mid-90s, it's pretty bad. He's like, there's like a solid decade where he just isn't doing anything. And then that's when he when he got The Wrestler. Uh, you know, he was like living in like a little tiny studio apartment with no money. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like no money. He was. I think God, it was in like a 500 square foot apartment with like broke. The wrestler is so good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best thing you ever Him did. Him in that movie. Yeah. It's the best thing he ever did. Um, and then this. Yeah. And so, and so in 03, he does Mast and Anonymous, which I kind of remember coming out. Smaller role. Once Upon a Time in Mexico, 2003, the third film in the El Mariachi trilogy. <laughs> I love those. Rodriguez. I love that whole trilogy. <laughs> and then he does uh, Man on Fire in 2004. He's the lawyer, Jordan something, right? Yeah. And uh, and then he does this movie, and then it's it's, his, it's the next couple years that he starts to show back up because the wrestler's 08, and that's the big comeback. In this one, it's interesting. He's like, the prosthetics make him so unrecognizable as Mickey Rourke. He almost didn't get credit as being Mickey Rourke in this I, movie. I didn't, I didn't know who the hell he was yeah. in 2005. Mickey Rourke, like, I knew the name. And yeah. then, like, when someone showed me a picture, I was like... If, yeah, you knowing that the guy? name is you knowing the name is probably more than most people did at, at that point. Well, our age, yeah, it's because I have sisters that all thought he was gorgeous. Yeah. back in the day, you know, and like, um, yeah, so so interesting. That guy's career is one of the most interesting careers ever. And then you go to the other side of that, kind of building his ways. You got Clive Owen, who did Beyond Borders in two thousand three, which I don't know. Yep, King Arthur in two thousand four, which is just Not atrocious. Good. Who yep. directed that? Uh, that's Fuqua. Yes, Sorry, our boy, that's Anton boy. Fuqua. And then, uh, and then Closer in 2004, which is actually pretty, pretty critically renowned. Um, you seen Closer? I, I, I really yeah, like Closer. Love Closer. Yeah, love Closer. Natalie Portman. I fell in love with her then, and that was that was 14 years ago. I watched it again, sort of recently, and like, I adore that movie. It's like, it's really, it's really, really good, really good and interesting. It's a great story. Everyone in it does a phenomenal job. But R.I.P. Mike Nichols, man. Yeah, but to speak on your point, what we were saying earlier is Clive Owen was still kind of a nobody. Yeah, well, this is like his, this is his moment, sort of, right? So, like, this is his, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, a good example of somebody who's kind of having the same, <laughs> this is his Charlie Hunnam moment, I guess. Well, it's funny they both did King Arthur. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, he's bigger than that, because, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, uh, 2002, I think, was born one, right? Yeah. And he plays the asset. Mm-hmm. So, at that point, he shows up, and that's, like, he was like a no. I mean, he was in movies, but he was like not a known quantity in O two. Have you seen Shoot 'Em Up? No, I hated that movie. But I need I to watch it again though, because I think because I know people love people that love movie it secretly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and that's O two. So he does Beyond Borders, and then I guess he gets cast in King Arthur as they were just like, we'll we'll take this guy who like people are talking about. He's buzzing right now, he's but we looking. don't have to pay him that yeah. much money. Mm-hmm. And then Closer in O four was a big one because that got a bunch of Academy Award nominations. I think when Children of Men comes out is when you finally are like, yeah, oh, Clive Owen is a thing that's going to be around for a while. Yeah, I think Children of Men know? comes out and it's like, okay, this guy's a... Was that 06? Yeah, yeah. I love that movie so much. 06 or 0? I think it's 06. We could do that on the show. Yeah, for, we should. Yeah, we, we will that eventually. Movie's, that movie's phenomenal. The tracking shot in the car, or yeah, the, 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 the no-cut shot. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Um, um, and then and then you got... You got the A-luster, the superstar that's bringing the names, everything. You got Bruce Willis, but which, it's weird. Go which ahead. is funny, right? He's he's 
in a cast this big looking back on it, it just seems like he's part of the mix. Yeah. But at the time, he's far and away clearly the star. Which is interesting because if you look at what he had been doing, it's not, it was like he was on the back end of his highest moment. Bandits, anyone? <laughs> bandits, anybody? <laughs> I know you and I both like secretly love that. I actually <laughs> really do love bandits. <laughs> I haven't seen him and Billy years. Bob and yeah, yeah. Uh, Kate Winslet's in it, right? Uh, yeah, so he does Tears of the Sun in 2003, which is like, he was in the middle of doing a lot of these like throwaway action movies. Who directed Tears of the Sun? I actually don't know. Antoine Fuqua. It's Fuqua, right? I was, I was just going <laughs> to yeah. guess it again, but I was like, is this possible? Uh, yeah, so he does Tears of the Sun, Fuqua, whole 10 yards, sequel to whole 9 yards. Whole 9 yards is really good. Never seen it. It's actually really good. Um, whole 10 yards is fine. It was like what you did in the early 2000s. And then you have Hostage in 2005. Yeah, and his next couple years after this, he does he does Die Hard 4 in 2007. Mm-hmm. He does like Lucky Number Slevin a couple years later, which I like. I like. Um, but yeah, his, his career... His career starts to go off a cliff right around 2010. Like his, I mean, I talked about this when I did Death Wish um, on on Nerds and Suits recently. But like, <laughs> dude, it's so bad. I was like, I'm just gonna do something fun for you guys right now. I'm gonna read the last 13 movies Bruce Willis has started. blocks. Yeah. And I read the 13 movies, and I was like, I have literally never seen or heard of any of these movies other than The Expendables. And I review right. movies. Yeah, yeah. Like this, like it was outrageous. It was like Once Upon a Time in Venice and. Arsenal and Marauders and, like, Hearts War. (laughs) Love Hearts War. So in his day, Willis was, like, the biggest. I mean, because Armageddon's a 98, so, like, and Sixth Sense is 99, Unbreakable's 2001, maybe. It would be fun to do over-under proper on all these guys, but we don't have time for that. But what I do want to ask you, when all is said and done, when we're looking at the history books 100 years from now, who ends up on top out of these three? Oh, on the all-time list? On the all-time list... Based off of what they're going to do from now to the time they retire, which I think clearly Owen has the most potential to do more because he's the youngest. Willis is clearly the most famous out of any of them because yeah. he's done the most, been around the longest. And then you got Rourke, who's, you know, he, he could have been the one that won the Academy Award. I know he was close in, in 08. Yeah, so uh, in my opinion, it's it's still pretty clearly Willis. And it's because it's all, you think it's always going to be, no matter what Owen does for the rest of his career. Well, uh, this is what I think. I think it, it, what it comes down to in, in, you know, you and I talk about movies for an hour, for hours every week. Um, if you think about the 200 or so movies that get referenced, like, forever. Like, the movies that, like, will always and forever be talked about. Mm-hmm. It, all it takes in your career to be remembered is to, to star in one of those. Yeah. Like, you have to have one. So, like, when you talk about someone's career, it's like, we talked about, I think you and I were having a conversation with Jeff Daniels recently. It's like, okay, so he has Dumb and Dumber, and he has the scene in Newsroom. I was going to say the Newsroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> those, those are the two things in Jeff Daniels' career that for, forever, for the rest of his entire life, he'll he be always remembered be remembered by. for. Yeah. And that's all it takes. It takes, like, a couple things that are iconic. So Bruce Willis was in Die Hard. That, that happened. And he's in Pulp Fiction. Those are like two things that are like you well, you can't take away from Bruce Willis, and even the Sixth Sense, which like is really famous, probably won't be remembered. God, Bruce Willis's career-defining role has got to be John McClane, but it's be. like God, there's so many huge things he's done. Yeah, like it really is in the end going to just be Die Hard is Bruce Willis's movie, and that's why the, that's why Bruce Willis will be the most famous because nothing that Clive Owen can do in his career. Or has done, I should say, not can do. Yeah. But like Children of Men's a great movie. Children of Men's the only thing that would be considered, and then for Rourke, you got the wrestler. But Clive Owen would essentially have to continue to do what he's been doing, do more than he has been for the last decade, and win an Oscar by the time he retires. He'd have to be in a best picture winning movie that was a sweeper where he was unbelievable. Like 
and it was like a popcorn movie. Like that's yeah. what it takes, you know. And it's hard. That's not something like most people's careers don't have a single one. So I think that's why you have to say it's Willis because he was in Die Hard. That's it. Yeah, you know. And he's and again he's still making movies now more so than honestly these other two guys. Really, Rourke's like not really in movies anymore. And in like, <clears throat> is it because of Whiplash? The movie with J.K. Simmons oh. <laughs> and Miles Teller. <laughs> is it because of Whiplash? Um, no, because Whiplash is his payday. He he like. Well, I know, but it was like you'd see the wrestler, yeah. and you're sick. You're back. You're a great actor, and then it's like here's a Marvel movie. Not only is it a Marvel movie, it's Iron Man, yeah, the most successful Marvel movie ever at the time, essentially character, yeah. and you get to play the main villain in the second one that we're all dying to see, yeah. And he kind of drops the ball. Not really his fault. No, they just kind of blew it on Whiplash. He's... And then what did he do after that? Like He's in a bunch of movies uh, since The Wrestler. But the funny thing is, if you look at 10 years of movies, it's like you really almost can't come up with a single movie in that time other than just The Wrestler. Like You can't. Marissa, can you, would you mind? Uh, Marissa Serafini's up in the booth, by the way, everybody. I introduced her at the beginning of the trailer section. But, uh, but I was talking over you and interrupting. It's, it's cool, man. <laughs> uh, Hi, how, how are you, Marissa? I'm I'm very well, thank you. I enjoyed uh, this film, too. You do? Yeah. Awesome. Would you mind doing us a favor and pulling up uh, Mickey Rourke's uh, list on IMDb? I want to see what he did after The Wrestler to now. Yeah, someone just said he should play... Look, Mickey Rourke could still play a sick Bond villain in Danny Boyle's Bond. 100%. That would be amazing. I heard he's still a cock to people, though. Yeah, well, that doesn't help. <laughs> I heard he got humble for like a year, and then he just lost it. Of course he did. Yeah, I've never met him, never talked to him, never seen him in person. And you know what? I honestly, like, when I hear things like that, it's like, I don't want him to have a good career. I can't really see, because I'm kind of blind. Marissa, Think. last ten years, two... Oh, never here, mind. Here. Okay, yeah. Randy, the Ram, Robinson. All right, so you keep going down. Okay, the Informers, I remember that. That's got, that's got the, flock, the Flock of Seagulls song. Kill Shots, the Elmwood Leonard book. Those are both bad. 13, I don't know what that is. Okay, Iron Man two. So there's his comeback, right? Expendables, Expendables, yeah. people, Passion Play. I think Immortals is the one. Immortals is that one. Is is yeah, yeah. that's the one with uh, Henry Cavill. Passion Plays with uh, Megan Fox. Courier, Black November, Java Heat. I think he's in a movie called War Pigs coming up here pretty soon. Skin Traffic, Ashby, Sin City. Yeah, War Pigs. What the hell? Weaponized, Blunt Force Trauma. All right, that's enough of that. Who's whose list is worse, his or Willis's? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty bad for a guy that was. For a guy that was a Academy hop, Award skip, nominee. and a jump away yeah. from... He should have he should have won Best Actor that year. He was so good in The Wrestler. And looking back, are you ever going to watch Milk again? Ever. I like Milk. I mean, Milk's a good movie. <laughs> I've watched them both, like, twice. Okay. Yeah, I've seen them both once, and I will never watch Milk again. It's just... There's nothing about that movie that I would feel compelled to go back and watch again. You know what? What? Brolin. Brolin's great in Milk. so good in that movie. Yeah, he is. He's so good. He's like the DA or whatever. Uh, he's yeah, he's just another politician that's just completely on the other end. You yeah, know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he was closeted though. That's what a lot of people. Anyway, we don't need to give him that yeah. talk. <laughs> um, so yeah, all right. That's the <clears throat> that's the career profiles. Uh, I mean, nothing against Milk. I, yeah, no, was, no. Movie was good. I, I, I like that movie. It's <laughs> just like, I, yeah. Anyway, point is, moving on to production development and the people who made this movie. It uh, is written by Frank Miller because Frank Miller wrote the comic books. Yeah. Frank Miller, for those of you that don't know, is probably on the short list, the top three or so, four, three or four most renowned comic book creators of all time. Right, because it's like him, Alan then, Moore, yep, uh, Neil Gaiman. Uh, you have like a, you have a couple others. You have like Brian Stan. Michael Bendis, Grant Morrison, Mark Andreco. Um, <laughs> although Andreco is the best, and, and he's written some really awesome shit. Has he really? 
And Draco's like a he's like a very well respected. I thought you were actually joking. No, no. And Draco has written like a lot of very famous comic books. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love Draco. When I met him the first time, like when we first met at Chmodown, you fanboy. I like said something to him, and he like wouldn't take me seriously because they like thought I was my persona from Team Action. (laughs) Right, right. He's like, yeah, sure, okay, whatever. And then when we no, dude, and we became friends, and then I like finally got to actually talk to him about his comic books, and he's like, oh, thank you so much for saying that. That's really that's that's great. Kirkman, Uh, Kirkman, yeah, Kirkman's great. But so Frank Miller did. Okay, Frank Miller created Elektra. He created he, he wrote the original Daredevil storyline where we meet Elektra, the death of Elektra, the bullseye stuff. Um, he is the writer of Batman Year One, which begins is pretty much based on. Which is my favorite. Yeah, it might be my favorite comic we've ever written. Um, Batman Begins. Oh, the comic Batman Year One. Oh, I thought okay. Yeah, that's like the Jim Gordon storyline. Um, he's responsible for the Dark Knight Returns, which is in a lot of cases what like. Um, so there's some Dark Knight Returns in Batman versus Superman, and there's also some Dark Knight Returns in some of the Nolan stuff. But he's like about as famous as it gets. He also wrote and drew his own comics, so he he right. would write them, but he also drew all of Sin City, um, which is pretty rare, right? When someone writes and illustrates their own stuff. Yes, totally. Yeah. His especially when it's that good. Yeah, his style, unfortunately, as he got older, um, it kept evolving. It got more and more stylized to the point that I found his like art to be like pretty much unreadable he didn't find that awesome tony scott perfection no he just like got (laughs) more and more stylized it was not my favorite thing but that's who frank miller is um yeah and then if you go into the directors it's interesting because so this movie actually has three credited directors and that's frank miller robert rodriguez and quentin tarantino now tarantino only directed the driving scene yeah with the head in the front seat with the head in the seat which is an amazing scene it also makes sense that tarantino directed it so much like him um, <clears throat> this movie was actually really directed by Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller, and 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 what they wanted to do was have all three of them credited, and then Robert Rodriguez wanted to be, uh, then the DGA wanted just to credit one person, they were going to make it Robert Rodriguez, he said he wanted no credit at all, he'll do it uncredited, and he wanted Frank Miller to do it, Frank Miller refused, and then... Robert Rodriguez threatened to leave the DGA, and now here we are, directed by two and a half people. Um, it's interesting, though, so Frank Miller... His career as a writer and his films being adapted to the screen was not going so well when this movie had come out. He was yeah. heavily reluctant to let anyone take on another one of his projects because of RoboCop Two. Yeah, he and, really um, didn't want. He really didn't want to uh, relinquish <clears throat> creative control because he also Frank Miller also did Three Hundred. So yeah, that's also his comic book. <laughs> but what happened was that Robert Rodriguez was completely in love with this, and he and he knew that he could do a good job. Essentially, he wanted to give. He wanted a chance, so he went and he shot the Josh Hartnett shorts essentially, and screened that to get Willis and Miller and Alba and everyone on board, essentially. He made this little screener and would just pitch that. That was his pitch project. And uh, after Miller saw that, he was like, this guy can can do it. Yeah. He's actually going to do it. And then what I thought was so interesting is that, and I don't know if you know any more about this since you did just talk about the writer, was just that, like, they were like, we don't need a script. Yeah, right. Because, well, and that's honestly, it's it's one of the gifts and the curses of this movie. It's it's like watching a movie that feels like you're you're watching Shakespeare or something. Yeah. It's like uh, it's great, but it's also like the voice. So there's so much voiceover. I mean, you know that Robert McKee is spoofed an adaptation played by Brian Cox, and you know the voiceover is lazy, all that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, there's so much voiceover in this movie, it hurts. It's like it's just one long string of narration, which makes sense if you're going to just adapt. If you're just going to take a comic book and you're going to just literally make this a comic book, then it makes sense because you can't just 
You don't have the luxury. You can't make a perfect comic book on screen without committing some cinema sins, as they say. And, yeah. like, narration, yeah. giving all your exposition is one of those things that they talk about in movies to never, ever do. Yeah, and because, I mean, like, the stuff with, like, Josh Hartnett, you know, he, he he's cradling her in his arms. She's twitching. And he's like, the silencer is a whisper. Yeah, you know? hold her and tell her she stops twitching. Yeah. It's like, we see that. Yeah, and so, like, I think that, that it works, but it's also, like, I don't know how actually... I mean, it works for this movie. It's just not, like, something that I would want to see. Like, somebody's like, well, that worked. Let's do it again. Right. I actually never saw the sequel. Did you? I actually didn't either, and it was uh, this is the only reason I didn't put in the question, because a lot of people think that it's the most, the biggest letdown in a sequel ever. Really? Yeah, yeah. Is there a more disappointing sequel ever made, I think is what the question was. But I hadn't seen the second. I'd heard a few fans talking about it. They said there's a few uh, redeeming qualities. Ava Green's great. Uh, Rourke comes back. I yeah. heard that the Gyllenhaal replacement, though, is, is pretty bad. Really? And, yeah, or I don't know. If, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Hmm. All I know is that I've never had any desire to watch it, and no one has ever compelled me enough to go and see it. A Dame to Kill for is that what it's called? Yeah, for? yeah. That's what it's called. Yeah, I, uh, I would <clears throat> probably will never watch it. Well, actually, 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 actually you, we probably both will. I know exactly why. Because it's a comic book movie, which fits into a category. That's right. On a certain game that you and I both like a to play. A certain game. Speaking of, <laughs> i got some awesome storylines to have to tell you as soon as these cameras are off, oh, since you guys can't know anything. Oh, I have some good ones to tell you, too. Yeah, I know Christian talked to you last yeah, yeah. What are we here for? <laughs> uh, all right, so Critical Box Office, uh, moving into this. This is, um, this is interesting. So Dimension Films produced this movie. It cost $40 million to make. It was released April 1st in 2005. It grows $74 million domestic for an additional $84 million wide for a grand total of $158 million, and it opened at number one at $29 million. Do you think anyone saw this coming? That this movie would open at number one? Yeah, it would do that well. You know, I mean, it's... it's, it's Huge cast. Quadrupled its budget. Uh, <clears throat> no. Huge cast. And I could... I mean, it's a very cool, very stylized trailer. Um, I mean, we talked about the... We talked about the, these movies that got made after this, right? So, so three hundred and Watchmen, and <laughs> to some degree, The Spirit, um, and uh, and those are all movies that were trying to just rip off this gimmick because this had been very successful, and uh, I, I think it did catch people off guard a little bit, um, especially the fact that it made eighty four worldwide. I think that's that's probably the most surprising thing to me. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that. Let's let's say maybe a third of that is Willis, but yeah, everything else is. You could even say half of it is Willis to be generous, and it still is a big number. People forget the 2005. We're we're still in the 2005 is like the year I got on Facebook. YouTube didn't. YouTube wasn't around yet. Like the the Redbox generation hadn't happened. We weren't there yet. So it was still like movies came out in theaters or movies were straight to video movies. So if Bruce Willis was in a movie in 2005, that was a theater movie. That was like. Yeah. An event. So his name on a movie was people were going to go see it. That doesn't happen anymore very much with actors, even with huge actors. Like, I mean, there's, I'm trying to. It was early in the show we were talking about Mickey Rourke, and I was being like, it wasn't like you could just go look him up and see all these things and go pull up clips. I wanted to say all that, but I was like, I felt so old. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it's true. You couldn't. Yeah. You had to, I mean, there were, there was like places online. You could probably find clips here and there, but it wasn't like YouTube search top Mickey Rourke scenes. And there's going to be 34 options on the first page. It's like, you know, that's the world we live in now. If I literally want to know something (laughs) in the world. Yeah. What blows my mind is that somebody in the world is doing that. Somebody is taking the time to upload every scene and everything and everything to YouTube. We appreciate you for it. Person that we, (laughs) That wherever you are, whatever basement you're in, I've tried to find the She Needs to Matter to You scene from Deja Vu before, 
and it's not on there. Someone needs to get on top of that. I don't know what you guys are doing. There's a lot of scenes from Deja Vu that are missing on YouTube. Get on it, people. (laughs) All of Deja Vu is missing. Uh, You know what I realized that we we should probably do real quick? Yeah. Because I think he's had such an interesting career, and I think because Daniel Sala more so requested that we do it. Robert Rodriguez has had a very interesting career. We kind of yes. just blew past him in, in production development. Yeah, well, it's he's a he's, he's definitely a big name. Um, yeah, on the way here, I texted you. That was the thing I texted you as well as running a few minutes late. Uh, <laughs> Robert Rodriguez has had a wild career. It's a hilarious career. Well, okay, so I I, I almost don't know how to rank his movies. <laughs> right, right. Because I can think of five movies that I that of his that I can I can think of five movies that are relevant. <laughs> I can think of five movies he's done. That's not hard to do. Yeah. Um, but ranking them is more difficult for me because, like, I'll give you a good example. Okay, Spy Kids is on my list. <laughs> Spy it's Kids one. Spy Kids one is on my list. I I actually think the Spy Kids movies are kind of sweet. Um, I like. Do, I don't think we'd ever do one on the show, and they're like a little childish. Yeah. But it's an enjoyable movie. I've seen Spy Kids on TV before, and I like Spy Kids. I wouldn't know where to rank it. If you say Spy Kids <laughs> one more time, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> Spy Kids, dude. Spy Kids, dude. Uh. So okay, so you all right? So mine's gonna be. It was tough between El Mariachi and the Faculty, but I'm going the Faculty. I figured you're gonna do the Faculty. Five. I just yeah. for some reason you love that movie, don't you? It's so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, what do you got at number four? Uh, I will go with Desperado. Oh, really? That low? Oh no, I'm not ranking. Oh, you're not ranking. Uh, sorry, just your next I'm just one. throwing out my yeah. I'm just throwing out my five. Okay, all right. Desperado's 100 percent on my list. That's great. So my my number four would probably be uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, that's that's on my list as well. Yep. Um, I would go. I go Spy Kids, Desperado, uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Yep. Also on my list. Um, great, super entertaining movie. Next, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yeah, not on my list. It's a great <laughs> one. Johnny Depp gets blinded and then he shoots people. I go Grindhouse next. I go. Grindhouse is good. Yeah, it's like silly, yeah. but it's sweet. Right, Robert Rodriguez has. <clears throat> he's just such a. He has such a unique style. Yeah, and if you ever see, if you ever seen him or like the way that he dresses, he like wears like like you know leather jackets, leather pants, like chaps, like bandanas. <laughs> he's just like. Total looks like a biker dude, like a biker rock and roll guy. He's like any Guns N' Roses cover band. He looks like an extra from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's what he looks like. Um, That's so funny. Uh, so then, so my full list in order is Sin City. Yep. Desperado. Yep. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, The okay. Faculty. Or I mean, from Dust Till Dawn, and then the faculty. So Grindhouse and Spy Kids are the only two. So that's where that's where our lists differ. That's where they differ. Yeah, I don't think we're missing anything important. I mean, for me, Spy Kids Two is also an option. I mean, but so machete. Yeah, I don't but it was it was just kind of too silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, El Mariachi's sweet, but I don't like it anywhere near as much as Desperado. <clears throat> yeah, it's funny because El Mariachi was supposed to be like the Rambo to Rambo First Blood Part Two, right? But it was just like a little boring. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They didn't have any money, so. Yeah, that's I think, true. I think I've heard the story on that movie that he went around town. I was I think, obsessed with that. I think he went around town like pitching himself as like I can't remember what the story is. There's a crazy story in El Mariachi where he like went around town pitching himself as like this like legendary director who had done. He had just like said he had done all this crazy shit to get El Mariachi made. <laughs> you heard of ET? Yeah, <laughs> and he somehow he got the funding to make that movie. So hey, um, good for him. Yeah, that's <laughs> my five. Out. If you guys have a different <clears throat> top five, uh, Robert Rodriguez, if you disagree with us, then sound off because if you think Spy Kids three is better than Spy Kids two, yeah, or Spy Kids one. Or Spy Kids 4. Spy Kids. Spy Kids. Spy Kids. <laughs> Mercy, you can turn them off. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up on that one. Let's move on to the last bits of the show. Uh, we talked a little bit about box office. We haven't talked about Critical. Yeah, yeah. So critically, this movie, um, I was actually surprised it wasn't in the top 250. Yeah. 
Are you or no? Uh, it does strike me as the kind of movie that would make the top 250. Like, right. that's the, this is the kind of movie that ends up where you're like, okay, 165 makes sense. Yeah, where you're yeah, like, the color and the yeah. light. And you're like, and a bunch of comic book kids yeah. that were like ranking this movie when it came out. But like, I also don't think that I have that little faith in the top 250. <laughs> I have like no faith, but also all the movies on the top 250 that I had like, the movies that I decried when you and I went through the list yeah. initially, that I was like, none of these should be on the list. Like Rush? And Prisoners yeah. are, like, two of my favorite movies yeah, now. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> like right. Watched, exactly. I've watched Rush, like, twice, and I've watched <laughs> Prisoners, like, four times. I, like, love those movies. I love Prisoners so much. So, I tried to argue against Warrior at the time because, like, I didn't realize how much it meant to me yet. Right. Now I just was, like, past. I'd, like, punch myself in the face now for that argument. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think I agree with you. I think I totally agree. It, it, it's a good movie. It, it did a lot for film, but it doesn't feel wrong that it's not on there. No. And a lot of time has passed. So... Um, critically, uh, by critics on Rotten Tomatoes, it was given a 77 by all, a 72 by top, and a 78 by audience, which I think is very fair. I think that makes a lot of sense. 70, um, 72 feels correct. 8.0 feels too high. Yeah, 8.0 does feel way too high. Uh, there's way too many good movies that we've seen that are not an 8.0 to, 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 for this to be an 8.0. So um, so on, so I, <clears throat> I do this thing uh, some of you guys know about. It's called Nerds and Suits, and it's, uh, it's on Anchor.fm. Um, but it's also available. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on iTunes, whatever. Just look up Nerds and Suits movies, and you'll find I'm reviewing everything now and doing news every day. And uh, my, my ratings I've been giving on the reviews, I've been giving A's, my, you know, B's, what have you. So right. something Alex Kessler, guest of the show, and my buddy has suggested is that I have to start. It's called Nerds and Suits. I can't be using A, A minus plus. But he's like, you got to give it like three pocket squares or something. He's uh, like, you got to like have that. something clever. Like, and so I was trying to think, like, an A plus should be 10 pocket squares, I think. I think, like, that should be... You're going out of 10. Well, because I want to be able to A plus it, you know, A plus, A, A minus, B plus, right? Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So I was thinking 10 pocket squares, but then, but then, like, maybe... Or maybe, like, an A is 10 pocket squares, and an A plus, the rare A plus, is 10 pocket squares on a bow tie. If you get a bow tie, it's a a perfect If you get a bow tie. Like, Love, Simon, I'd give a bow tie. You would. Love, Simon is the best movie of the year so far to me, like... And I'm and I'm going to be surprised if a movie comes along this year. Like, a movie would have to blow my mind in a way for me to not be like, that movie is just good and right and enjoyable in every single way I can think of. Like, I absolutely love that movie, so I, I can't disagree with you. It's uh, like a simple movie, so it's hard for me to... But, like, for instance, Black Panther, great movie. Probably my third or fourth favorite this year. It's not even close for me. It's not even close. So what what is your what is your point behind this of the pocket squares conversation? Oh, we were just getting to eights and seventy twos and stuff. Right. So what what would you have given it? I think is what you were going to say. What Love Simon? No, no, <laughs> no this movie, <laughs> the one we're talking about on our show. <laughs> Can we just talk about Love Simon? Really uh, quickly? I guess. I mean, I would give this movie a seventy two. So let's see if if an A plus is is ten pocket squares and a bow tie, that would mean that uh, that would mean that an A is ten pocket squares. Yep. A minus would be nine. B plus would be eight, right? B would be seven, uh, and a so six and a, six and a half pocket squares. No, six six six, six pocket squares. Six a B minus squares. A B minus six pocket squares. Six out of ten. Yeah, that feels fair. Yeah, I need a cool rating system. I guess I could give it three out of five because it's the exact same thing. <laughs> sweaty shirts. <laughs> out of how many sweaty shirts did Andrew got? I give it nine sweaty shirts. Well, it's not quite Edge of Tomorrow episode of AMA sweaty, <laughs> but it's close. I'm sweating. <laughs> All right, what's your favorite line? Uh, I think it's see it, that's that's the hardest question of the whole episode. It really was because the whole thing is just like poetic writing. Yep, the whole entire thing. 
So like I I don't know. Um, I there, there's moments I do really like that line. The silencer is a whisper. The the Josh Hartnett line at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think that line is really really cool. Um, I also really really like. I also really really like when um, Alexis Bledel is walking by the car, and he. And he like grabs her or pulls a gun on her, and she's like, "Oh, honey, oh you just yeah. went and did the dumbest thing you could do." Yeah, yeah. There's some. There's like a lot of really sweet ones. Um, Marv has a lot of really good. Li- I like when Marv is yelling at Carla Gugino, uh, and he's like, "This is the old days. This is all or nothing." Yeah, yeah. he's going all crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great in there. That part's sweet. Um, let's see. I when Owen's talking about Rosario Dawson, he's like all kinds of death is about to hit 20 yards away from us. And I still can't take my eyes off of her. Like my warrior woman, she almost rips my head off yeah. like that. I love you, baby. Always and forever. Uh, or I love you, baby forever and never. Those are great. But I actually think, and I don't think this is actually in the theatrical version. Cause you don't see Marv's mom in the theatrical no. version. No. Um, and he's, it's in the uh, director's cut. He says, you know, mom cleans the room every week. Like she used to, when I was a kid thinking I'm coming home. The old smells make me cry like they like they do right now. And it's just such a cool thing because you think about, like, the way that your house smells that yeah. you grew up in, you right. know? And the yep. way that your mom smells, the way that everything, the, your room, <clears throat> and, like, the idea of Marv being this crazy dude and the fact that his mom is still just waiting for him to come home. And then he comes home and he, you see Marv, like, break down and cry. It's just so cool. And I think that's such a great line. And, I, and it's it sucks that it's not completely relatable to everybody because probably not everyone's seen the director's cut. But Yeah, I didn't watch it. I love that line. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Um, all right, guys. We are going to have to breeze through the last couple bits here on the show. We do want to answer Paul Harris's question. You re- made reference to it already. Yeah. Uh, Paul Harris asked the question, is there a more disappointing movie sequel? It, there's a lot of disappointing Batman movie sequels. Batman Superman? Pacific Rim Uprising. No, uh, there's... I mean, there's, there's a lot. It's... I. I never watched it. Neither did you. Sure. So what's your <clears throat> what's your biggest uh, letdown sequel? It's probably the Two Jakes, the Chinatown sequel. Oh, that sounds terrible. That's one of the worst sequels <clears throat> ever made. It's like damn near unwatchable. I think mine's 28 Weeks Later. Oh, that's a bad I one. know that it's not horrible, Yeah, but for how much I love 28 Days Later, it was a super big letdown. So, I mean, Transformers 2. I would say uh, by you know, and large. That's so funny. Transformers 2 almost was my number one. 93% of sequels are awful. Like, yeah. Um, they're almost all bad. Dark Knight Rises, Dark Knight. Yeah. <laughs> Both terrible. <laughs> Movies are terrible. Uh, Michael Campbell, longtime f- fan of the show and of us on the Schmodown. If you could take... This way, or if you could take the way this movie was shot, the aesthetic, the black and white, the CG background, the overall look and color, really, and apply it to one other film, what would you choose and why? I pick Logan. Yeah, that'd be dope. Because, be like, really I cool. never saw the black and white Logan, but I know it's just Logan and black and white. Yeah. But if they would have, like, taken the black and white version and made it like this, yeah. I would have lost it. Yeah, that sounds really, really cool. I, I might do I might do it with, like, uh, more of, like, one of those sort of, like, espionage, like, really creepy kind of, like... Mm. Like I might do it with like some sort of a like a like a courtroom thriller or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that kind of a thing, or like like a Michael Clayton type of movie, like that, Michael Clayton or Lincoln Lawyer meets like some sort of Michael Clayton would be pretty cool because it would it would add an extra level to the like it would add an extra level to the like cr- kind of like creepy by the numbersness of it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I mean. Honestly, we've seen a lot of people try it over and over again yes. with, like, Sucker Punch and things like that. It just doesn't really work. No, Zack Snyder got... made, like, a whole career out of this style. So, like, not this exact look, but, you know, this type of thing. So be a master. Um, all right, guys. There are three action movie categories. Totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Totally legit movies are like Gladiator. Totally ridiculous movies are like Con Air and Face Off. And ridiculously legit middle category. It's like Point Break, Predator, Speed, um, held together by one really strong component. I would give this movie a ridiculously legit. I put it in the middle category. 
Yeah, I have to agree. And, I, and I've said this a lot recently. I think it's because they don't want it to be either of the other two. If this movie is totally legitimate, it's it's just not that good. And if it's totally ridiculous, then who wants to watch it again? Yeah, completely agree. It's like, <clears throat> it, it's just, he gets, like, they're all superheroes. They're, like, they're all just superheroes. And there's, like, right. some bunch of, like, tongue-in-cheek, you know, like, winky-wink type of moments. And that's fun. But it obviously is, you know, a silly movie in some ways, but it's badass in other ways. Yeah. And for me, like, the other thesis that I could have used is just... Mickey Rourke is far and away the best part of this movie. Like, that's that's the other thing I would have said, and, and that's what I come back to. It's what I thought about going back to watch it again. He's the thing that makes this movie feel the best. Yeah. He's, and then the women. Honestly? Yeah. Like, Rosario Dawson, Alexis Padel, and Brittany Murphy, they're all really good. Yeah. And they're all... Uh, oh, and Jessica Alba. They're, they're just great. I think what it is is they're all, like, the purest thing in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Even if they're living in Old Town or whatever, it's like their intentions and what... Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, Love it. For sure. Um, that just brings us to the last part of the show today, guys, and that's going to be called... The Pitch! So, uh, you know, I saw Pacific Rim Uprising last night. I'll be posting my review here in just a minute. And uh, it wasn't that good. It was pretty entertaining, and uh, it definitely felt like Transformers <laughs> version of Pacific Rim. Right. But the first Pacific Rim is fucking sweet. So we're going to do that on the show next week. Yeah, yeah, it'll be sweet. I've only seen it the once in theaters. I don't remember it well, but I do know that people love this movie. Yeah, Guillermo, best director, just won it. So I think it's a great time to do it. Um, it's from I just watched it recently, and it's like totally like dumb action movie from the yeah. 90s feel, which I'm really excited for. Perfect for the show. Really quickly, we didn't mention Elijah Wood at all other than him just doing the cameo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creepy as hell, creepy. right? Real creepy. creepy. Super creepy. Yeah. So, All right, guys, that's going to wrap us up. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find me, you can follow along with my career at Ben Bateman Media. And be sure to check out Nerds and Suits at Anchor. Uh, follow Nerds and Suits on Twitter. It would mean the world to me. Uh, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy. Follow the show at AMA Podcast. Find the Facebook groups. And also go to patreon.com slash teamaction to see more content you won't see here. Yeah, a bunch of videos coming out this week. All right, guys, thank you so much. Have a good one. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.